In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to First Baptist Church of Oregon City, and I welcome you to Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is the day that we recognize the Holy Spirit descending uh, in power upon the church. Uh, It is sometimes called the birthday of the church because it is by the Holy Spirit uniting us all uh, that we are the church. And we'll talk about this more over the next few weeks. Um, But today being the day of Pentecost, we recognize that it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do all things through Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us together as followers of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us from being a group of individuals into the people of God. And so as we sing, as we pray, as we worship this morning, as we hear the word of the Lord proclaimed, we recognize even more today than we do other Sundays that we do this all in the power of the Holy Spirit. This whole story of Pentecost of the Holy Spirit can be found in Acts chapter 2. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be unpacking Uh, This exciting moment uh, after Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and now the arrival of the Holy Spirit into the church. If you're listening to this podcast on Sunday morning, May 31st, 2020, um, you can pause the podcast right now if you're not wearing red, and you can go put something red on if you like to, uh, because it's traditional for Christians to wear red on Pentecost Sunday. And we don't do this as a, as a superstition or anything. It's a celebration. It is, it is one of our days of rejoicing of what God has done. And so uh, we wear red to signify the Holy Spirit. And as something fun that our church is doing this year, after you listen to this podcast, whether you listen to it on May 31st or not, take a selfie wearing your red attire, uh, and send it to the church. Uh, Our website is onebaptistchurch.org, and our email address is there. You can email the picture to the church, and we're going to put together a a photo gallery for the church website of everybody uh, wearing red and celebrating uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. We pray that as you listen to this podcast, that you would experience the presence of Jesus uh, that is around us, and that you would experience the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Dear Father, we bow before you to acknowledge that you are Lord and sovereign over all. And today is a special day. It's a day when we celebrate a promise that you kept to your disciples. They were sad because you were going to be leaving them. But you said, do not be sad for I am going to send you a special comforter 
And on this day that we call Pentecost Sunday is the day that you sent that special someone, the Holy Spirit. And that special someone, the Holy Spirit, is still with us today. When we commit our lives to you and we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes within our hearts. And he is our comforter, our counselor, and our guide. And Lord, as a church, as a congregation, I pray that we be guided by the Holy Spirit and that we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as you lay out the next phase in our church. I am fully convinced that you have a special plan for us in this particular neighborhood that we are in. And I ask that each one of us follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and that we be united with the Holy Spirit in what that plan is for us. Lord, I pray for the ones in our congregation who are not well. I ask that you be with them. You give them peace during this time of uncertainty. I pray for those who have other difficulties. And I ask that you would be with them, and that you would guide them, and that they would place their trust and their faith in you. Lord, I pray pray for our young church. I pray for the young people. They have many prayer requests and special needs. Lord, you know what they are, and I lay them before you. You already have a place, a plan in place for them. And I ask that they listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in their lives and that they follow that plan. Lord, I pray for our hope program. I thank you that we are able to help those in this community. There's much need in this community, Lord. And I ask that as a church body, we be sensitive to what those needs are. And not only are we united with the Holy Spirit in that plan, but also let us show the love as Jesus would show. Lord, I ask that you be with us as the pandemic continues and that we get closer to you, Lord, by reading your word, by praying, and by reaching out to someone who needs a touch from you. And I ask that we give words of encouragement to those, whether they be our church members or whether they be an acquaintance that we know of. And Lord, I thank you for just being with us during this time. And we can count on you. And uh, I ask you to be with our leaders as they make these decisions and that the decisions they make are for the, for the best of those people that they were elected to serve. And Lord, now I ask that you be with us as our service continues. Be with our pastor today as he brings the word. And uh, my... My prayer, Lord, is that someone will be blessed by the podcast. And I lift this all up to you in your precious name. Amen.
Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you know, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. dry bones without you Lord a desert soul I am broken but running towards you God you make me whole all that I am is dry bones without you Lord a desert soul I am broken but running towards you God you make me whole hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit had given them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running because they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was the desperation hour for Fulham Football Club because for the second year in a row, they were playing in the semifinals and they were just a stone's throw away from reaching the championship finals. But for the second year in a row, they found themselves down going into the last half of the match. But then, two minutes into the half, 18-year-old Ryan Sessegnon struck a goal and evened the score. But Fulham still needed one more goal to assure the victory. And so, when the... When the attacking team kicks the ball towards the defending team's net and the defending team puts it behind their own net, the attacking team gets to take the ball and put it at the corner and usually somebody kicks it in and they put the tallest guys right in front of the goal, both the attacking team and the defending team, because the attacking team wants their tall guys to jump up and nod the head, you know, hit the ball with their head and get it in the goal. And the defending team wants their tall guys to jump up and knock the ball in the other direction. And meanwhile, the poor bewildered goalkeeper is just trying to sort everything out in the middle of it. And in the meantime, Fulham get one of these corner kicks. And the, the player goes, young Ryan Sessegnon, 18 years old, a boy playing in a man's league, goes over to the corner to take this kick. And in central, central right in front of the goal are all of the tall players for either team. And in the midst of the tall players stands Dennis O'Doy, who is 5 feet 10 inches tall, Easily four feet, four, not four feet, four inches shorter than the tallest players on the pitch. The kick comes in and it goes flying up. And I was watching on television. 
It comes flying up, and out of nowhere, I see Dennis O'Doy go flying through the air, and I didn't see where the ball went, and the camera didn't see the, where the ball went. But all of a sudden, and they were playing at home for Fulham at historic Craven Cottage, all of a sudden, the crowd are on their feet, screaming at the top of their lungs, and the players, some of the players look bewildered, and some of the players don't, because this five foot 10 inch man had outleapt all of the other tall players on the pitch, and the ball had glanced off his head and gone into the back of the net. Fulham got that second goal. Once I realized what was happening, I let out a hearty shout that frightened both the dog and the upstairs neighbors. Because at that moment, I felt like I was right there in the action. I felt like I was right there in Craven Cottage with everybody else who was shouting and screaming. And then they had to hold on to the lead for another 25 minutes. And when, they, when the final whistle came and they had won the match and they were going on to the championship, I let out another frightening yell that, again, scared the dog and alarmed the upstairs neighbors. And the crowd, the Fulham supporters, swarmed the pitch. They flooded it. And the first person they found was five foot, 10 inch tall, Dennis O'Doy. They hoisted him onto their shoulders and he became a hero in the eyes of the fans. But I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that goal. I can see it in my mind vividly because it was so unexpected. We didn't know what was happening, and we were so in despair before that, that when the good news broke out, it was such a moment of elation and joy that we all felt like we were one at that moment. I was texting my friend Nathan in West Virginia. I was texting other Fulham fans across the world that I know. Can you believe it? No, we can't. We were all one at that moment. The disciples have just watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And he's told them to stay in Jerusalem. And you've got to realize, this has been quite a couple of months for the disciples. They've watched Jesus go triumphantly into Jerusalem, thinking that this was the hour that, uh, that he was going to redeem Israel. They watched as Jesus was handed over to the authorities. They watched as he was murdered. They heard the rumors of the resurrection, and they, they with joy saw him face to face. They looked at his nail-scarred hands. They saw where the sword had pierced his side. And then they had heard him say, wait in Jerusalem until you see power on high, until you receive power from on high. And then they watched him 
disappear from their eyes, and angels tell them, get on with it. Stop standing around. And now they're waiting in a room. They're waiting in... Some people think it's the upper room where they had celebrated the Last Supper, where Jesus had appeared to them. Um, There's some people who think it might have been an area in the temple itself. Um, I, I think the evidence kind of weighs on the, the, the side of it being the upper room. And we have this happening. We have this undeniable moment where God steps in and does something brand new. The ascension is the logical predecessor to Pentecost. The ascension is what we talked about last week. Pentecost is not originally and not entirely a Christian holy day. It started off as the Jewish Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. And what the Feast of Weeks was, was where you brought the first sheaf of wheat into the temple as a sacrifice. And it was thanking God for the first fruits of the harvest and praying that there would be more of that to come. But it was also 50 days from the time that the Israelites crossed the Red Sea after God had, through Moses, parted the Red Sea, he had stretched out his mighty arm and shown his powerful hand to the Egyptians, and the Israelites walked across on dry land and the the sea was closed in on the Egyptians. And it was 50 days from that incident, that happening, to when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the law. And now, this is 50 days from from when Jesus has delivered his people, has made a way for all people to become a part of God's family. And now Jesus has ascended into heaven, much like Moses ascended Mount Sinai. And so when you think about it, Pentecost is the logical progression of that because what goes up must come down. And just as Moses descended Mount Sinai with a new way for God's people to live, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit not just as a new, a new word or a new lifestyle for people to live. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit for God to intimately live with and within all who call on the name of Jesus. This is a new happening. This is a new Thing where God is bringing life into the world. When we look at how this happened, how God accomplished this, it said there was wind and there was fire. And those are very Old Testament ways 
of God appearing. Those are ways that the disciples would have recognized. And then what's left is the Holy Spirit, is God living within us. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've seen the Holy Spirit several times in the New Testament. We've seen uh, the Holy Spirit descend like a dove um, on Jesus at his baptism. Um, we have seen the uh, we have seen the glory of Jesus uh, at the transfiguration, and now here we have the Holy Spirit living within God's people. And this is just the last step in a pattern of increasing intimacy that God has been laying out for us. He sent Moses with the law. He sent the prophets with messages. He's getting closer and closer. He comes as Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the very revelation of who God is. In the book of John, Jesus says that it's good for him to go away because if he goes away, he can send the advocate, he can send a helper. And sometimes we think it would be easier if we had Jesus around these days. But what Jesus is saying is that if he is ascended, then he can send the Holy Spirit. And so rather Jesus being in one place at one time, the Holy Spirit is in every believer as Jesus is ruling the world to the glory of God the Father. Pentecost, one might say, is an intimate revolution. There is no way that God can draw nearer than he does at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit lives within followers of Jesus, this isn't some mystical power that we don't know what it looks like. Because we know who God is because we've seen Jesus. And now we know what the Holy Spirit is going to do because we've met Jesus. And so we know the God that dwells within us. And as we look at this story of what has happened, we can see all of these little clues kind of click into place of what God is up to. Because at Pentecost, God draws nearer than ever before. The first big thing that happens in the Pentecost story, in Acts chapter 2, uh, as we've read this morning, the first big thing that happens is the wind and the fire, and then the Holy Spirit arrives. It immediately calls back, I think, to 1 Kings chapter 19, 
where Elijah goes to meet God in the, the cleft of the rock in the, in the mountain. And a, uh, there's a violent earthquake and there's a, there's a mighty wind and there's fire. And then there's God in the still small voice. And here we have a rushing wind from heaven, a new breath coming into the world, and we have the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within each of us, and the Holy Spirit is God living within us so that as we live as followers of Jesus, we live the life of Jesus if we'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit. As we breathe as followers of Jesus, we don't breathe strictly as humans. We breathe and have our being through the Holy Spirit. And as we look to see what we ought to do, we have the Holy Spirit within us reminding us, Jesus says, of everything that Jesus taught us. But we can't get too hung up on the individual Because if we just get hung up on the individual, then we miss the whole point of Pentecost. The disciples were there together. They hadn't spread out. The disciples were there together. This wasn't something where they were all in different places and suddenly this thing activated in their brain and now they saw things differently. This wasn't just something where they related to God in a a new way or they understood their personal relationship with Jesus in a different way. When they were together, this happened. And it tells us that yes, we have to be surrendered, our lives have to be surrendered to Jesus and we have to be paying attention to the Holy Spirit. This is important. But as individuals, we are not greater than the group. No individual is greater than the church. And that was what was happening here. God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt and guided them through the wilderness by cloud by day and by fire by night. God was born as Jesus and showed us how to live and died and rose again so that we would be free from sin and death. But it's by the Holy Spirit that God guides his people from within. 
It's near to us, nearer than we ever could possibly imagine. So that if by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are gathered as a people, we have the guidance of God himself moving us, shaping us, showing us how to be, lifting each other up and encouraging us, but also showing us where the work of Jesus needs to be done in our world. The second big thing that happens at Pentecost is the disciples speak. They speak from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the passage tells us that they begin proclaiming great and wonderful things that God has done. We don't have an exact script, and I'm kind of glad for that. Because there are so many great and wonderful things that God has done. But they start proclaiming it. And when you say something, you own it. The Bible has a lot to say about the power of words. And we know that words have great power. And we know from countless episodes that make the news where someone in a position of power or authority sticks their foot in their mouth, we know that once you say something, you have to own it. when the disciples are speaking from the power of the Holy Spirit, this is not words that they have come up with. This is, not, this is not words that they have tried to craft in a way that are great for people to hear. These are their, their words, their mouths, but speaking from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and proclaiming the great things that God has done. And so it comes through their breath. It comes through their being. It comes through their voice. And we realize that God is as close as our voices. Think about how difficult it is when you, when you have a cold or, or something like that or your allergies get real bad and you lose your voice and it's really difficult to talk. And so you kind of stumble through your day with hand motions and, and maybe scratching things down on a piece of paper and, and holding it up to people or you, you try... Um, you try different remedies, such as uh, magic tea, and you do all of these sorts of things to try to loosen up your voice so that you can speak a little bit. Our voices are valuable. And we know what it's like to have voices silenced. We know what it's like for voices to be robbed of their power. And we know what it looks like when, when voices cry out. Voice is something that's intimate to us. And the disciples together 
are using their own voices to proclaim God's greatness. But they're doing it in a way that's unexpected. It would make sense if this this group of, of Jewish people whose voices were being overheard by more Jewish people had been exclaiming all of this in Hebrew. That could have made sense. It would make probably more sense for them to have been doing this in Greek because that was kind of the the language that everybody knew at least a little bit of Greek. The New Testament was all written in Greek. Um, the, the Greek language had kind of been the thing for a long time, and they just kind of held on to it. That's an oversimplification, but bear with me. It would have made sense for them to speak in Greek. But there's a long list of people who heard this in their own language. And you can see how excited people are to hear things in their own tongue. Because language is important to us. Language is vital to us. The the language that you learn growing up is always going to be special to you. It's always going to hold a place in your heart. And in communities that have maintained their language, um, even while living in a place where their language is no longer the dominant language, the adults go to great pains to make sure that the children learn this language. I had a coworker once who for many Saturdays in her childhood had to go to Polish language classes on the south side of Chicago because her parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had all been Polish and they wanted her to learn Polish as well. And so for for these people to hear God's praises being spoken in their own languages, they were overjoyed. They were ecstatic. But it also means something else. Is that the good news of God, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, is not just for the Jews. The arrival of the Holy Spirit is not just for the Romans or for the Egyptians or for any of the other groups of people that were listed here. The Holy Spirit intends to continue bringing people into God's family from every nation, tribe, and tongue on planet Earth. And this is not going to happen by by a constant miracle or eruption of of the Holy Spirit amongst every group of people, this is going to happen by God's people praising God and speaking of God and proclaiming the good news to every nation, tribe, and tongue on earth. And it means that the church is not limited to one people group. It means that the church is not limited to one skin color. 
that God's people transcend the barriers that we create as human beings. Because God has drawn near to humanity. That is the, maybe the best news of Pentecost. Is that the Holy Spirit is not interested in our divisions, but the Holy Spirit is interested in God's kingdom. And if we allow ourselves to be led and go in the direction of the Holy Spirit, I know for sure that it means at least two things. Number one, that it's going to lead us to proclaiming the good news in every sense that that word of proclamation means, to proclaiming the good news to everyone, regardless of how comfortable or uncomfortable it makes us, but it's also going to mean that God's people will be a diverse people in the way that the world does not understand. It will transcend the world's divisions in a way that doesn't make sense. Because this Pentecost story ends with mocking. It ends with people saying, they're just drunk. They don't know what they're doing. They're just babbling. And there are going to be some people who are not going to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't respect worldly boundaries. There are going to be some people who don't understand that the kingdom of God bears little resemblance to the kingdom of the world and to the world's patterns of power and hierarchy. But what we understand is that God has drawn near and that if we live as people who recognize God's nearness in our own lives and if we realize that we need to be part of a group of people who are led together by the nearness of God, by the Holy Spirit, then it empowers us to go anywhere and be the good news of Jesus Christ. To be the good news that Jesus is Lord of this world and that we can follow in the ways of the Holy Spirit and start to bring people into God's family. Because that is a true glimpse of the world to come. The Holy Spirit enables us to be God's people in a faithful way in this world because God himself is guiding us on an intimate revolution.
possessions I want to lay them all down in your hands only your love is vital though I'm not entitled still you call me your child God you don't need me but somehow you want me oh how you love me somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the it should go oh god you don't need me but somehow you want me oh how you love me somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control i give you control Our church has, for the month of May, been engaged in something called Prayer, Pray for Pentecost, a church-wide prayer initiative, and the goal was to get us ready for this day. The goal was to bring us to this point where we could consider what it looks like for First Baptist Church of Oregon City to truly be a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. And in that spirit, we have a, a final prayer uh, that we've, 
we had four weeks of regular prayers, and then over this weekend, we've been praying a special prayer uh, for Pentecost. And as this is May 31st, Pentecost, this is our, our last day, and so I would like to conclude Pray for Pentecost uh, by praying our, our prayer for the day. Almighty God, at Pentecost you made a way for every race and nation to be your people by your promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Lavish this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach the ends of the earth and our own neighborhoods. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us this morning in worship, in hearing God's word proclaimed in a variety of different ways. I want to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, uh, for the music this morning. I want to thank Katie Witham for her contribution of reading scripture. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I want to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, uh, for making sure that all of this sounds good. And I pray that as you go through your week, you consider what it means for us to be a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. Just because we're in a different situation in our world right now doesn't mean that the work of the church stops. It just means that we have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit in new ways that we might not have thought of before. This is the time to get creative. This is the time to listen to that creative spirit of God that lives within us as a church and leads us and guides us. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands.